Welcome to the Mike Hewitt Show, 11 years and growing. It's about family, business, work, and politics like you've never heard it before. Yep, it's true. There's more than just a touch of wry humor mixed in. And now your host, Mike Hewitt. Folks, I am Mike Hewitt, co-hosts Miles Bauer and Ludwig von Wiedemdersky. I still get emails. What did you say his name was? Listen, guys, I got to tell you, I want to do a deep dive on a, on a specific topic. When I look out across what's going on in our culture, left and right, political and non-political, I grow concerned. Keeping in mind, folks, I'm an old guy. So I get to be the old guy and say, wow, it sure wasn't like that when I was young. Ludwig, have you ever heard an old guy say that before? No, never. <laughs> I've been doing this show for 10 years, never. <laughs> Honestly, folks, what's got me on this path is I see more argument that's, by the way, it manifests itself in physical altercations on occasion, but people arguing over absolutely nothing. Folks that are family members, 50 years old, 60 years old, 30 years old, it's not an age thing, it's not a race thing, it's not a political thing. There is a lot of angst in our culture. And so I slow myself down between now and the last episode a week ago. And, I, and I'm really wrestling with this topic going, what the heck happened? How did we get from miles where you and I were at 30 and 40 years ago? Folks, and I'm not trying to be the old guy thinking it was always better because that's not what I'm saying. But we didn't have families having internal feuds over nonsense. Real estate deals where they're never ending, where we've got opposition parties and it's become adversarial rather than win-win negotiations. I'm telling you, the culture has changed. I think it's a crisis. I get that there are people that disagree with me, both in my ideas of fixing it or that it's even a problem. I understand that. But when I see the former speaker elbowing somebody, I'm thinking, you know, I see that at the political party level, on a county and on a state level. I see it within the culture in total. I didn't, Miles, you and I didn't see that when we were kids. We can say it's better now. You and I actually agree on the fact of politics is ugly making sausage. Nobody wants to see it, but they want the better outcome it produces. But when I look across from shore to shore, I'm seeing something different. So, and I'll get off my monologue here. I didn't mean to do that to you, Ludwig. Yeah, right. But will you do me a favor, Brian, play that 60 seconds. Guys, let's just dive right into this. Mike Hewitt here, a voice for the children of divorce. 50% of the children in America have struggled through the breakup or divorce of their parents. Those children are twice as likely to drop out of school, twice as likely to attempt suicide, and four times more likely to experience socialization trouble. Heck, 21% of the children in America don't have a father in their lives. The negative statistics stemming from that are staggering. Sometimes adults are forced to make such decisions, but all too often the children carry a burden for decisions they didn't make. What do we do? Stay involved in your children's life. Mom and dad, be co-parents. Be supportive of the time your child spends with the other parent. Skip saying negative things about the other parent. Think about it. You're telling your child they're half of whatever you're calling the other parent. Let them know everything's going to be okay. Be positive. Develop and keep routines. Remember you're a parent, not a friend. Take care of yourself. They need you healthy and strong. Find the Mike Hewitt Show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You'll like it. Listen, folks, and specifically Ludwig and Miles, and I got to tell everybody, all three of us have been divorced. 
All three of us have children. Miles, I'm going to start with you. I watched you through the early stages and the end stages of your child growing up. I thought and think that you were a dynamic, tremendous father. I mean that wholeheartedly. Ludwig, I've complimented you a number of times on this show, and I go, what in the world? And then I look and I see all of the things that go on with our culture on this topic. Folks, understand, I'm not advocating to say I have the answers. I'm not even saying what my spots were are the answers. I'm only saying that we desperately need answers. One of you two want to jump in and correct me? or. Well- I want to start with one thing you said in that 60-second spot. I remember you saying to me when I went through my divorce, and it was pretty pinnacle about the way I handled some things with talking about my in-laws. Right. Because we didn't get along from day one, uh, even prior to getting together. So They they loved you like we do? Slightly less. (laughs) 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 And you said when you say something bad about them, and it wasn't even their mother, it was her parents. Right. You're telling them they're half of that. Right. And that was huge to me because I never even took it to that next step. So I really have refrained to the best I can 99% of the time, as I'll never say I have never, but 99% of the time have refrained from saying something negative even about their grandparents because of what you said to me that day about that. So if I say to you, if you were my child, praise the Lord, you're not. I'm the son you never wanted. Oh, boy, is that the truth, Miles Bauer. <laughs> <laughs> We're having family pictures done soon. Don't let everybody lie. If I looked at you and said, wow, you're a wonderful guy, but your mother is a big, long litany of words, I am effectively saying, both by rearage and genetics, half of you is everything I just called her. I don't think that's a profound thing. And folks, please understand, Miles also, love to understand, I'm not talking about adult children and relationships that develop. I'm talking about what are we doing with children typically between 5 and 15 years old. That, and, and we could probably argue it up to 18, but the window of development. And that's where mine were when. That's what I'm really, yeah. really driving at with this part of the show is that window of development. And keep it in mind, I'm a layperson. I'm not trying to say I'm somebody that I'm not. Other than I've raised four daughters and I'm old and fat and all of those things, I've lived life. Facts. So that I'm going to slap him one of these days. Truth. So, so between 5 and 15 years old mm-hmm. is where it turns into. So the child comes back from visitation. And rather than saying, hey, how was your weekend or how was your week? It's the opposite. It's what did you do? What did they do? Did they kiss? What did they do then? Then what did they do? What did they do? You're turning your child into a spy. Well, Folks, don't do that. You're making your child feel terrible. Mike, you bring that up. And I've been on the other side of the equation as a kid. Yep. When my parents got divorced, I was 15. And I was the oldest, so I was brought home. Every time we were brought home from my dad's, it was interrogation time of were they sleeping together? Were, how'd you feel about that? And everything was about the feeling of it. And, and all of a sudden, now you're questioning how you were feeling. Like, were you supposed to be okay with it? Are you not supposed to be okay with it? Can I be okay with it, but tell them I'm not okay with it so that they don't feel bad? It becomes really a mind issue yeah. and mentally just becomes draining. And that's where the issue comes, and it starts dividing you between your parents. You're like, I don't want to go there anymore. Because of how I'm going to feel when I come back. Listen, i got to tell you, though, I'm not even talking to you anymore, Lud. Here's something, Miles, you didn't know, and we've got to draw on this for future episodes. Before Ludwig was on this show as a host, his mother was a guest. And there are things that I can take from that and have a field day at his expense. It's going to be fun, Miles. Oh, God. (laughs) 
<laughs> I got an, I've got an hour of her that I I can you know like they do at CNN. I can make it so she says anything I want her to say. It'll be fun. Only an Miles, hour. Miles Bauer, what is your take on this dialogue? My parents didn't divorce. It was that my father died when I was seven. Right. So I was kind of in the same scenario. I just didn't have the visitation issues that blood made reference to. But you still have to go through a parent and all the fun that's associated with them dating. Right. Absolutely true. That becomes a bit of a challenge. Now, how old were you, Miles? How old were you when I met you? 12, I think. So you were, and I don't want to use the word reeling lightly. We're down to just a couple seconds before break, but you were in, in effect still reeling from the loss of your father in those early times when I met you. Um, and, yeah. and I, of course, I, at the time I got to meet your sister, your mother, and, and other folks in your family. And so I agree with you. You went through much of the same, other than you probably didn't have somebody ragging on the other person. But stay with us, folks, because this is a big topic. We'll be right back. When I was uh, talking about when I first met your mother and your sister, this is one of my mea culpa moments because at the time, how old was I? I wasn't driving yet, so 15, 14, somewhere near. I thought, wow, his sister's hot. Am I supposed to say that? <laughs> I thought you were going to say his mom was. Nah. No, actually, she was pretty good looking. So I'm not and keeping in mind that we are way older now than she was when I met her, I guess is the better way of saying it. I think she'd have been in her 30s then. Is that right, Miles Bauer? Yeah. Yeah. No, but listen, all, all jokes aside, I truly don't know the answers to the, what the, the proper path is. I can look at statistics and I can tell you, in fact, we've done entire episodes and have had really great guests on years ago about the results of, doesn't matter whether it's a boy or a girl, but children not having a father in their environment when they're in that age group that we talked about from 5 to 15. No, but Mike, you got to also admit that there's times where in divorce, and I think this happens maybe a larger percentage than what we're led on to believe, is that the father's not allowed to be. But are you yelling about the mother or are you yelling about the court system? Sometimes both. I don't, okay. I don't think it's one way or the other. I think it's that on both of those situations, I have friends who would like more time with their sons or daughters, but the wife won't allow it. And when he goes to the court, the court won't allow it because there's not a reason to, meaning they're not saying, well, there's proof of a bad parenting or anything. They can't just go and say, hey, I'm a great dad. I want some more time. The court doesn't go, oh, well, since he's a great dad, even though you're a great mom, we're going to give him more time. Sure. You have to prove there's a reason for them to take time away from the mother or whoever's the primary parent. Now, listen, I, I got it. Let me dovetail on what you're talking about. Miles, I'll look for your input because you're in a different state and there are folks listening to us from a number of different states, and I add that part because this is a state issue. So different states have different political views on how their laws are crafted. Um, I, I think that's it. My problem with it is, Miles, one of you, you and I have been debating the concept of what is the status or how do we measure our, our, our judiciary system. We've been arguing that politely for 
40 years, 35 years anyhow. Here's my position on that. I still don't have answers, but I desperately think we need answers. And one of the solutions I'd put forward, one of the ideas for debate I would put forward is that the notion of taking a broken family and surrendering its future to an adversarial court system is numbskull to me. I think the lawyers involved, and I'm not taking a shot at lawyers, but by nature they're looking for, ad, they take adversarial positions. That's how the system works. And, I, and I, I think what happens as soon as I hear somebody is lawyered up, whether it's a custodial issue down the road or at the time of divorce, as soon as I know that there are lawyers and friend of the court, enemy of the people involved, by the way, folks, I've been both a custodial and a non-custodial parent. So when I say that, this is not a gender statement. It is an, a fair and honest critique, not of the judiciary, but of the fact that I don't think families should be dealt with in an adversarial manner. I don't think that's a cure for the children. Whether we agree on the outcomes and all of that makes no difference. Anybody that looks at the stats have got to recognize we have a problem. But think about it. You have to opt out of the front of the court. You don't get to opt in. Right. So when you file and you have children, you're automatically in the front of the court. You get to opt out. Why do we have that? Because like my, my ex-wife and I, I from day one was, we are never going to do that. We're going to settle everything on our own. My parents settled everything on their own. I have other friends who have settled everything on their own, yet they have to go to the front of the court and hopefully be able to get opted out. Why isn't that an opt-in system? That should be for parents who can't do it. Or yep. And I've seen this, men and women, use the kids as bait of, you want them? Oh, I'm not going to let you have them. I'm going to hold them back. Well, then you need somebody, to an um, uh, uh, intermediary, to step in and go, no, that's not right. So I had a judge tell me once, Mr. Hewitt, you don't understand. That's my friend, not your friend. It's friend of the court, not friend of Mike Hewitt. And I said, then, Your Honor, I have to ask, forget who's here as an advocate for my ex-wife or myself. Who's the advocate for the children if everybody is your friend or their friends? The children need an advocate. Mm -hmm. That's my point about complaining on an adversarial system when folks are already fever-pitched in the midst of, of a divorce. There's nothing friendly about it. Miles, what's your take on this topic? Well, I, I, I would, I would say one thing. Let me, let me put forth my, my bias I'm ready. before I make a comment. <laughs> um, in the, in the midst of divorce, at least here in the state of Illinois, dad is guilty until found guilty. Okay. Yep. Um, as you and I have spoken on many occasions, Mike, the our judicial system I don't think was ever set up to handle divorce. It was it was set up in case I happened to kill one of your cows or your donkey. Sure. You've caused me a financial burden you've stolen from me. So you're saying you, it wasn't set up for social done, issues. Exactly. But but keeping in mind last week I was on a pension saying what is our federal government engaging itself in social decisions for? Exactly. And now our judiciary has been, Miles, to your point, it's it's in an area it wasn't designed for. Is that what you're saying, Miles Bauer? Exactly. I, yeah. You and I agree on that passionately, I bet. Absolutely. It's got no business in it. It just doesn't. Mm -hmm. And I submit to you, by the way, folks, left and right, I don't care if you're a fringe left, fringe right, somewhere in the middle. Anybody that says that government 
is not representing my ideology, doesn't understand the proper purpose of government. That's my personal view. No, listen, I agree with you, Miles. The, the front of the court, the way that this is a social issue, and that's why I bring that up, because last week we were bringing that up, and I think we're going to hear more of that trend in our show the next couple weeks, is that the, the court's not set up that way. The government's not set up to handle this, yet they've tried to finagle into this system. The front of the court, or anything that's going to advocate for children, should be an up-in scenario. Kids are, kids are beaten, they're abused, parents can't come to a decision, then you need an intermediary, or an absent parent. But when there's two parents willing to co-parent, there is nobody who needs to decide what child support is going to be. There's nobody who needs to decide what ch uh, parenting time is going to be, except for those parents. And I think you have a lot of parents that go in to do that, and then front of the court gets involved, and that starts to drive a divisiveness between the two parents who are in agreement, and then they're like, well, front of the court says we should do this, and they win. They get one extra day, or they get a little bit of money, and that starts to drive a wedge, and that becomes bigger and bigger and bigger, and now we start to lose that ability to to co-parent. Co-parent's key. By the way, folks, I, I, I get that that doesn't fit every circumstance. I genuinely understand that. And if I just wanted bureaucracy, to me, that's the proper role of friend of the court, mm -hmm. is just as a bureaucracy, not as an interlude, not as a judge maker. They're all of those things. So when they file a form with the court, the court just tattoos, they, boom, done. Whatever yeah. they said is it. Whatever recommendation so there's is, no is. actual judicial judgment taking place. It's whatever form friend of the court just filed. And and if you're the outpatient, the out the uh, the non-custodial parent, especially if it comes to money, because if they if we were to say what's their actual interest is, I'd say it's money. Listen, I don't want to cloud my greater point for the show today. When I look at the culture in total, it's become very aggressive to the level I've never seen before. And I'm not talking about Democrats, folks. And by the way, if you're a Democrat and you're listening, thanks for joining. I mean that sincerely because I don't want to argue with anybody. I want the best ideas to win. And everybody across the spectrum has got to be looking at the culture and going, holy mackerel, we got a name, a label, everything's been acronymed, everything is regulated, everything is taxed, everything is tightened right down. What? And the level, what, what that's causing, speaking of how to handle divorce, it's causing divorces. Divorces are up, not down. And communication with all of our state of communication, communication itself is lower than it was. What I, what I ask is, if you're, if you're considering divorce, you remember the kids were, didn't ask for it? They're not the, they're not the reason for it? Take a big step back and just remember what it was to be a kid. And when you're trying to co-parent, forget all the stuff that caused the divorce. Just remember what's best for your kid. That was my point in the 60-second piece is they didn't decide to be born, and they didn't decide to break the relationship up or put it together. This is our choice. Let's be adults about it. Folks, stay with us. We will be right back. Folks, if you're just tuning in, I am Mike Hewitt, co-hosts Miles Bauer and Ludwig von Wiedemdorski, 
And we are broadcasting from our flagship station, WHTC, Holland, Michigan, on the shores of Lake Michigan, 1450 AM and 99.7 FM. But we are pleased and proud to be carried by a number of stations across many states. I thank, I thank all of our affiliates to, for carrying us. But more important, I say to our listeners, thank you very much for listening. You are, if you're not hearing us from Holland, wherever you're hearing us from, you're listening to the best radio station in your community, and we genuinely appreciate you. Uh, folks, let's change gears, though. I'm reading an article. Now, this is from AmericanWireNews.com, but I found a number of vari variations of the same topic. Their title, Slurring Biden's... I'm sorry. Slurring Biden's weird Newsom praise, and then the words, he could have the job I'm looking for. I don't know exactly what that means. I think he's saying he could be president. I, I, and so I ask you guys, is this, is this the beginning? Because he went on to praise him. He was out with Newsom, talking on the stump, for lack of better terms. Is this the first direct, first peel of the onion heading towards a, a Biden step down and a Newsom candidacy. What do you think, Miles Bauer? I don't know how they're going to get get rid of Biden. I I don't think Biden is going to be the candidate. Um, but I, I still have problems, and maybe, Mike, you can talk me off a ledge. <laughs> but I, I can't figure out how... Could anybody possibly think the Wicked Witch of the North has a prayer of being the candidate? I, I've got a, I've got a, a, a next step for you on that topic. Um, I don't know that she's. I don't. You and I agree. I don't know that she's a viable candidate. My only wrestling match with myself on that is probably ideological because I don't think Newsom is a viable candidate. And I would have never, ever, 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 ever bet that Biden, who was twice rejected by Democrat voters, would be a viable candidate. When he announced his candidacy again, I went, really? Again? Wasn't get out of here twice enough for you? And I guess three times is a charm. Who who, uh, who knows? But here's, here's my thought for you on that specific topic, Miles Bauer. Can you imagine a Newsom... Whitless uh, Whitmer ticket because I'm starting to visualize that. That's what I see. <laughs> <laughs> You're not I, supposed I, to I, laugh at me right out of the gate, Miles. <laughs> but you know, you know, Mike. I mean, think about it. The Wicked Witch of the North. She can't even do a gubernatorial debate correctly. Yeah, she got beat. She got beat soundly twice by a person with no political office experience. Yeah, I mean, Tudor. Tudor blew the Wicked Witch of the North right off the side of the road. And then, and so then the Shudy voters Shudy. overwhelmingly re-elected But so did Shooty four years before that. Shooty beat her also. Yeah. And I'm not a big Shooty fan. By the way, I don't dislike him. He's a nice guy. I've met him many times. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm more conservative than he is. Yeah. He's a centrist. I'm not a centrist. So what do you guys think about, I keep hearing this, that it's too late. My, I, I, two things I question that. Never is one, too late. We don't even have a candidate, so I don't know how it's too late. The, the, Two. the first primary is in January. Yeah. So it's not to, in fact, in, and in truth, that primary doesn't count because it's, it's New Hampshire. There's not well, enough electoral votes to matter. Yeah, no. but, but, but Lud, I mean, you, 
you are 12 months from an, an election. Right. 12 months in politics is forever. I know, right. that's what I, but I keep hearing that it's too late. He's run, it's run out of time to replace him. It's run out of, it's just but then I, I just keep thinking back that we don't have a candidate yet. Um, so it wasn't too late. Who's we? Oh, us? The Republican Party doesn't. The, listen, they're, they're wanting to, the, here's the problem. We've been saying this for a year. They can't actually say he's not going to run until the day he announces he's not going to run. Because the moment those words leave his mouth, or babble out of his mouth, he is immediately a powerless lame duck. And they are not going to surrender their gavel until the very last moment. But he's had the perfect off-ramp. Like he stated when he, when he ran the first time, I'm going to come in for one term. I'm here to get rid of Trump yep. and get out of the way. Yep. He's had the perfect off-ramp. It's about power. This yeah, is but, truly but, about power. But it's not about him having power. It's about everybody else then. Right. No. But 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 Lud, you don't want to acknowledge Trump derangement syndrome in the media. True. Yeah, but he said that already. So all he's got to say is, I, I I'm going to step out of the way. I I told you guys I'd run one term. I'm going to ride off in the sunset. I've done what I I needed to accomplish. Good luck to the next person. Here's who I think should be the guy. Endorse Gavin Newsom like he wants to, and just ride off. He's got the perfect off ramp. Miles, how does Trump derange syndrome affect this circumstance? Well, I think Ludd is allowing the facts to cloud his judgment. Oh, how dare I put facts into the discussion? <laughs> Welcome to the political universe. Oh, my God. Facts. Do not, don't be accurate. This is politics, okay? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this is a true fact. They call it in D.C., a true fact. A true fact. Yeah, that's a, that's a different to a fact we don't like. Yeah. <laughs> but I just keep hearing it's too late. I don't get the too late stance. Because Gavin Newsom is nationally known. Too late as media hype. That's what that is. That's got nothing to do with reality. Everybody on both sides of the aisle, I don't care if your friends left, friends right, and somewhere's in between, everybody looks at Biden and goes, oh, my goodness, no. No, no, no. The, the, you look at all of the polling from the Democrat voters, all of it, 100% of the polling, our Democrat voters going, no, we need a different choice. But they're not going to relinquish the presidential authority. They're going to maintain saying he's the guy until the very moment he is no longer the guy. Here's a question then, and maybe it's for Miles more than anybody. Trump is losing to Newsom, Whitmer, and all of them in the polls, but he's beating Biden. So let's say we get through the Super Tuesday primary, and Trump's the only one who's got all the delegates needed to win. He will win. Do most they pull them, the trigger after that? Most of them will be gone by then, by the do way. Do they pull the trigger after that? Are they waiting for him to make sure he's the nominee, then pulling the trigger? What do you think, Miles Bauer? I think that the media wants us to believe that Trump is a wounded candidate. They don't They don't want, want to acknowledge that every time he gets indicted, we stand behind him even stronger. Okay? They, 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 that's true. That no, I, true. I, I agree. Yep. But in every poll, DeSantis and Haley have a better chance of beating a Newsom or a Whitmer. So it's almost like they're playing a game of chicken. Who's going to be the first one to pull the trigger? I, I, I yeah, but, yeah, but but Lud, keep in mind that re, remember there is an animal called a closet trumper. True. No, oh, we've had them since the beginning, since 16 right. for yeah. sure. I, I got to take us down a different path just, just so I can hear Miles' reaction. Miles, are you going to vote for a Trump-Haley ticket? No. <laughs> what? That, that would throw you off the Trump bus if he, if he brought her on. 
I, I, I hope to God he does not pick Haley. He might. He picked Pence. He has to pick somebody like that. He needs buddy. an establishment hack. He's got to have somebody from the bureaucracy. And she, wow, does she fit that bill? And so did Pence, in all due respect. Oh, yeah. That's why yeah. he did that. I've watched yeah. Trump supporters today that are diehard Trump supporters who were never Trumpers before Pence got on. Yeah. Then Pence got on, and all of a sudden, now they're, they're, they're always uh, Trumpers. Okay, I'll swallow the pill now. Yeah, now they're like, oh, forget Pence, I'm an always Trumper. And you're like, eh, you were never Trumper before well, Pence. But Miles has been our, our resident Trump-publican since the first time you were on the show. Right. And so, <laughs> knowing how much you, how, knowing how you appraise Nikki Haley, and I'm watching all of the tea leaves start to spell that she's the reason, because I'm looking at $10 million going, who in the world sends her? Who, who sends her money? I'm just telling you, folks, I don't dislike her. I, I don't want her on the national ticket as our nominee. So I say, $10 million bucks. who's sending her cash? Who wants her there? I thought maybe Trump does. And then I couldn't wait to ask you on the air. <laughs> yeah, but you know, Mike, <laughs> let me ask you a little bit different. We're, we're down to 30 seconds, so get it quick. Okay, I know that you enjoy the elbows. Yep. But do you think that's the media trying to tell us to not worry about the anti-Semitism on the other side of the aisle? Listen, it's funny that you say that because that is on the list for the next to- for for the final segment. Folks, stay with us. We'll be right back with exactly that topic. So we're going to be back here for the final segment. I get to open it up. Wow. With Miles and Mike. And this is Lud. Scary. This is Lud, Lud folks, Van Wiedendorski show. Folks, that might be the most scary announcement <laughs> you've ever heard on the air. Okay. The Ludwig Van Wiedendorski show. Oh, my goodness. So, honestly, seriously, though, Miles, I got a question for you then. I know how much you're in love with Haley and you got posters hanging up in your bedroom, but... <laughs> If she's not the running mate, who do you want? Because there's got to be somebody to drive in people. Who do you think should be the running mate then? That's a good question. Who should it be, Miles? Mike, you and I talked about this months ago. Yep. I think he should pick Tulsi Gabbard. I actually remember you. That was probably four months ago here on the air when he advocated that. I like it. By the way, if he did, I'd be okay with that. What about that. Condoleezza Rice? Uh, what do you think, Miles Bauer? I would go with Condi, yeah. Which one would you prefer? If it's Tulsi or Condi, who are you picking? I think Tulsi may be more favorable for the independence. I could see that. And frankly, Condoleezza Rice has been out of circulation, been saying no, no, no for a long time. It's a fun question. I'll tell you the reason I like Condi, though, real quick. International experience. She has some international experience. And she's the, respected even as a woman. And I got it. What do you mean by that? Is this more of your... No, no. Middle Eastern it, countries. You got to think Middle Eastern. That's where most of this stuff happens. Women don't have much respect there. Yep. And she does gander a lot of respect on the Middle East. Listen, she's brilliant. Yes. By anybody's measure, I don't care where you're from. I don't care if you hate her politics or not, by the way. You cannot assault her intellectually. She is truly 
genuinely brilliant. It's a toughie. Miles, the other thing we've been bantering about is the physical altercations that we're now seeing. I read news reports here in Michigan from the Detroit News and other publications in live.com here in Michigan, which is a consortium of a number of print media that are online. And they went on and on and on about a fisticuff at a state Republican committee meeting. That's now happened a couple times. So in their first four meetings, the police had to get called twice. Uh, and then we're, we're now seeing it in Congress. And that's part, folks, of what drove me wanting to start with divorce. And every week going forward, at least for a while, I'm going to be sticking in social topics rather than just political news and our opinions on that stuff. Because I think asking the questions of why are we, we where we're at, I think that's incredibly foundationally important rather than just bantering and arguing over over all of these other things. But, Miles, when you look at the fisticuffs that were you and I have bantered about, what, what's your view of them? I think that they that the media doesn't it is trying to draw us away from the anti-Semitic actions from our friends on the wrong side of the aisle. I, I agree with that. And I would add to it um, this. If I go Googling, because I want to be lied to, so I go right to Google.com, please tell me twisted fringe left politics. I go to Google, and it's it's just response after response of Republican infighting. So I go to DuckDuckGo.com and other search engines that are not trying to capture my personal information and steer me down a leftist rat hole. And all of a sudden, I'm watching things where Democratic headquarters are being attacked by Democrats. The right. the, the pro-Palestinian people are, are physically up in arms, angry. They're running around with, uh, uh, what was it? And I'm drawing a blank on the, the, the terrorists that we, uh, Osama bin Laden's letter has suddenly surfaced, surfaced from 2002 or three, whenever it first hit hit the news. Now it's bouncing all over TikTok and other social media venues with the fringe left going, look, the guy was brilliant. No, the guy killed more than 3,000 people. How can you side with that? But the media doesn't want to confuse you by thinking both parties are in trouble. They want to keep pointing at the Republicans in the elbows. That's why that story was told everywhere, Miles right. Bauer, with very, very little mention in mainstream media about the left applauding Osama bin Laden's letter. Get your head around that for a minute. But I think the truth is, if you look around the world, politicians and governments worldwide are in trouble. The people around the world are fed up with being... Western culture is in trouble. Yeah. But Western culture, in my mind, you guys tell me if I'm wrong here. Do you consider the Middle East Western culture because the uprisings in Iran? No, I'm not. North Korea, I'm not talking about that. Those people have had uprisings throughout written history. I'm talking about Western culture, meaning Europe and the United States. Like the yellow vest in Paris and stuff. Uh, yeah, that, in terms of what's going on, it's like we talk about with uh, the Israel. Yeah. You, the Israel is occupying, and Israel shouldn't exist. Israel stole that. They've been there since the earliest stages of the Old Testament. Come on, folks. The, the, these things are factual. They're not in the ideological opinion. But I draw back from it, and 
I can't get my head around the arguments that they do. I really can't. No, the the idea of, of fighting in Congress is kind of funny because we did have a vice president shoot our secretary of treasury. That was a that was a duel. That was a fair shoot. Well, except for one missed on purpose, one shot on purpose. I mean, so, so yeah, you know, like you always say, these things are as old as time, right? So yeah, they, they really are, and, they, but, and that that's true. And the other example is is the very first Democrat president, Jackson. They wrote articles endlessly about the fact that his wife forgot to divorce somebody before she married him. <laughs> details, details. I do think that. The parties aren't the parties are in trouble because again it goes back to the people like you say a lot it's the it's people, a, it's people. A, it's a cultural problem. I think the people are fed up with government across the world. They they are, but and I started to get and I got myself off on the wrong tack, so I, I apologize. But, but listen, part of it is we've been infiltrated by something. Mm-hmm. I really believe that from the fringe left, we've been infiltrated, folks. I'm not even talking about American fringe left. I'm not arguing about Democrats right now. There is something that has infiltrated our culture, and we're seeing it now. But it's, it's been it's been injected with things like uh, algorithms. Anybody listening to the show knows that periodically I'll go on an algorithm rant because I think it's infecting our pro- our thought process. We can argue over the motives. The short, easy one is they're just looking for clickbait to sell advertising space. That that's part of it. But then I start looking. How are we handling divorce? How are we making some judgments? By the way, just the, we'll talk about the internet briefly. I watch what's happening in the real estate industry. When I was buying and selling houses as a young person, uh, you'd have a real estate agent and he or she would make a deal and it was not always happy, but usually win-win negotiations. Everybody either walked away like they lost or they walked away like they won. Now almost every single sale is an an adversarial, nasty, mean-spirited, and there's no contact between the buyer and the seller. You go, well, how's that working out for you? Miles, to your point and to mine about Congress and the folks, with all of our ability to communicate, there's no communication. It's insanity to me. And I pull back and go, what are we doing wrong? We handle our divorces wrong, in my view. And I'm not talking men and women. I'm talking about as a culture. What we're doing is nonsensical. It's nonsensical to take a broken family and ask an adversarial system to make it better. That's dumb. But when you when you dissect any issue in, in any th- relationship, uh, negotiation, consequence, you always can come down to the number one reason it broke down. But, well, Communication. Just, and on this show, it's usually you. I'm the communicator. No, you're the – if we went wrong, it's Ludwig. I'm the great communicator. So, my, oh, my goodness. Sometimes you just can't get beyond that nonsense. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of nonsense, Miles, in our years of disagreement, well, it's been very few. Let me add that, folks. Uh, it's never went to the idea we're going to have a fisticuff. I never passed you in the hallway and think I got my shot and went elbow him. That was never our resolve. Right. Is, that, is that true? No, that that is uh, true. I would I would say one other thing about the the culture shift. Yep. I, I I would go back to the COVID lockdowns. I entirely agree with that. By the way, I want to make a, a specific um, topic of that next week on, on next week's show. Because, Miles, I think we can do an easy measure of cultural differences before and after. I think you are 1,000% correct 
by saying whatever's actually happening, that really ramped it up. Is yep. that a, is that a fair statement? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Law, do you agree on that? Yeah. See, we can make a guy wrong that normally is wrong. We can make him right with just a little effort. Jesus. <laughs> These guys. You, I don't listen. If you're feeling sorry for me for we fourteen do. cents a day, you can make my day better. Ah, jeepers! All right. <laughs> Listen, folks, we genuinely appreciate you coming in and listening. Thank you very, very much. Please be safe. Make sure you find us next week. Spotify and Apple Podcast in the meantime. Be safe, folks. <laughs>